0: Good morning, everybody. Like John said, you made it. Welcome to Church in the Valley. We're really glad. If this is your first time here and we keep saying you've made it, you're like, okay, what's the big deal? We got here on time. Uh, This is our first Sunday in a new uh, facility. Uh, Almost five years ago, we started meeting at Mark Keppel High School uh, in Alhambra. And uh, today is our first Sunday in a new location, which begins kind of a new chapter for us uh, as a church. And I, I just wanted to to start off, uh, first and foremost, by, by thanking God uh, for his provision. Uh, over the last uh, six to eight months, we've been praying about the possibility of a meeting uh, in this location. And uh, he provided, and his timing uh, was, was actually awesome. Uh, last Sunday was the last Sunday that we had a contract with Mark Keppel. And uh, this Sunday was really the first Sunday it was available here at the Alhambra. And so just seeing... The timing all come together right on time according to God's purposes, and uh, He's enabled us to to be here. So, I I just before you wanted to thank God uh, for His provision and for His hand that's really been guiding us as a church. We look forward to seeing uh, what He does. And I also wanted to thank uh, all of the volunteers that helped us uh, move. Specifically, yesterday we gathered a group at Mark Keppel High School and we had a couple of storage containers, and uh, we gathered all of our stuff. We lo- uh, loaded it into a budget truck, drove it over here about three miles away and unloaded it yesterday and got everything set up. And so if you were a part of the move yesterday, would you would you mind standing? We'd like to recognize you. Let's give them a hand. Here's some uh, pictures of the, uh, the move. This is us gathering yesterday. If you can keep on going there. It gets real when the truck pulls up. Okay, we're loading it up. That's us unloading it. Keep going. And then you got to have the kid pick. This is their new space. They're like, okay, it's not quite a classroom yet. Uh, and there you go. And so, as you can imagine, it takes many, many people uh, to make this happen. And so I just wanted to thank uh, all of you uh, personally for the ways that you've helped, not just yesterday, but leading up to this. Uh, we have a, a wonderful group of volunteers here at Church in the Valley, and that's also... Uh, from his hand and from his provision, people that are not paid to serve, uh, but they do really out of their service to God and really to help us as a church move our mission forward. And so they put their heads together and thought, what's the most strategic way that we can make the most of this opportunity to move, how we can make uh, a space here? And so uh, here we are. And also, uh, we thank you for your patience. We're trying to figure out uh, how to make this our space, and so over the next uh, few months, we're going to be settling in here, just like when you move into a new home, you're kind of figuring out which boxes and where everything needs to go. And that's what we're going to be doing as a church. Uh, but I think already I've been able to see that, that God is good and, and this is really going to be a, a good thing. So just wanted to kind of let you know about that. And uh, today I am wrapping up a series uh, called uh, Tick And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how to make the most of the time that we've been given uh, on this earth. And this idea of TikTok, it's, it's the clock never stops on life. If the clock in your house runs out, the battery no longer works. Time still goes on, even though your clock may not say that. And in life, we want to make the most of every moment uh, that we've been given. And from a biblical perspective, God doesn't measure productivity so much as the minutes and the seconds and the hours and days, but uh, really the opportunities. Uh, our productivity is measured by the opportunities that he gives us. So even this move for us as a church is a part of the opportunity that he's provided. And so as a church, we want to ask, how do we make the most of this? And then in our individual lives, as things happen, and as God walks with us and we experience him in day-to-day life, the question we always want to ask is, how do we make the most of this new opportunity here and now uh, to do what he wants me to do uh, in the world. And so that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks, not so much a time management principle seminar, but a perspective on how do you make the most of the time? And we've been looking at that through the stories of people in the scriptures. Uh, for me, principles oftentimes are reinforced by people's lives. Uh, ideas are helpful. But when I see ideas lived out in the lives of people, that's where it really clicks for me personally. And that's what you find in the scriptures. You see a group of people throughout history who've walked with God, decided to meet him despite their flaws, learned how do they actually do what God wants them to do in in their lifetime. And so we kicked off this series uh, talking about the life of Sarah. And I just want to review the last three weeks. This is the fourth week. So you can kind of be caught up. But we talked about the life of Sarah initially. And uh, she was given promises to God, how she would be blessed with children. And it was many, many years before she experienced that blessing. And so she had to experience and kind of deal with and wrestle with, how do you make the most of the time you've been given when you're waiting for things that you really want? And we're all in those situations in life in different times where we really want something to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And oftentimes the anxiety over the things that haven't happened can cause us to miss the present. And so we looked at the life of Sarah and discovered that even in the waiting, we can we can actually walk and learn from God. So we talked about that. Uh, The second week we talked about the life of Moses, who God gave him this this big audacious goal to accomplish, which was to free his people uh, from the hands of the Egyptians in the Old Testament of the Bible. And you find this story play out in the book of Exodus. And as God gave him this goal and this directive and this mission, uh, all that Moses could look at was, okay, God, I know you want me to do this, but who am I to to lead your people? And I'm not really talented. I don't have the background that's needed, it seems. And I can't do what you've asked me to do. And we can relate to that. I know I can relate to that many times in my life. Uh, When I'm asked to do something that's beyond me, uh, I look at my own limitations, my own fears, and I think, God, I, I can't do that. This is beyond me. But what you find as you walk with God, our limitations become the place in which God works. And that's the good news, is that despite my imperfections, despite my shortcomings, God can still use me, and that can help me to make, make the most of the here and now as well. And then last week, I wasn't here, but Ben uh, talked about the life of Peter and how he made the most of the time God gave him, even despite his failings. Uh, he blew it in numerous places in the scriptures and in his life. And you can read about those in the Bible. And that's the great thing about the Bible. As you read about God interacting with people, you find example after example of imperfection. People that have messed up. People that say they won't mess up and then mess up again. And people that say, okay, God, this time I won't mess up. And then they do it again and again and again. And for me, that's comforting as well, because I mess up. We all mess up. But Peter, despite his shortcomings, despite his, his mess up life that he experienced at different times, God still used him, and he wants to use us too. And so despite the waiting, despite our shortcomings, despite our failure, God wants to use us. Now, today we're going to be looking at the life of James in the context of some instruction that, that he gives us. And he's going to actually talk to us. Not so much on a a personal basis of things that we may focus on internally, but he's going to challenge us with our view of the future. And that is how the future can distract us and rob us of making the most of the present. Uh, In my own life, I've experienced many times that often what prevents me from doing what I need to do here and now is not the stuff here and now, it's the things that I'm looking ahead to in the future, the things that aren't here yet. It's amazing how many times the aren't here yet impact the here and now. And we're people that are pulled by the future. And I want to just kind of kick off with the two extremes that I've experienced in my own life and see if you can relate to this. But here's the things that I see about the future. It's it's two extremes. The first is we feel like the future or we think that the future is, is flashy. Okay. The future is flashy. That is, there's things about the future that are like bright lights that grab our attention. And the flashiness of the future causes us to miss the present. These things are going to be like my future plans. Uh, My next job. My next job will be so much better than my current job. I can't wait for my next job. Or the future place where you're going to live. My future house. Apartment will be so much better than my present house or apartment, car. And we can go on and on. But it's, it's these future plans that we have. Like when I get to this stage, it's just going to be so much better. And that's, you know, the, the saying, the grass is always greener. But that really is the idea of the future is flashy to us. It appeals. There's something in us that's not content. We're dissatisfied in the future. Just this bright light, it flashes, it gets our attention and that's where we want to be. Uh, the other side of that is the future can actually be fearful. The future can be fearful. That is, there's so much unknown about the future that we're just paralyzed by it. Uh, if you want to know, you, if you think about the future and fears involved, usually statements come into our head that begin with two words. And those are, what if? Do you say that to yourself much? I know I do. Those two words get in my head a lot. What if, uh, what if I cannot afford to pay for an unexpected bill? You ever thought that? What if my plan doesn't work out? What if no one helps me when I need it? And if you're like a big planner, what if I don't have enough money for retirement? And there, the the future being flashy and the future future being fearful can kind of coincide. Because you long for a great retirement, but you're fearful you might not have it. You can just be thinking ahead and ahead, and you can can miss what God wants to use here and now. Now, Anytime you talk about the future, there's a part of us which can also go to the other extreme as well. Okay, well then, I don't need to think about it at all. No, it's still as wise to plan, and we do want to think about the future. We want to do it in a sober way, and that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. I want to share a story from my own life because I was really challenged in this early on. And by sharing the story, you may relate to some of this, but it's something I've learned on this side that really has helped me with where I'm at. And when I finished college, I was planning on going to grad school. I was wanting to be a pastor like I am now, and I wanted to go to seminary. And as I was wrapping up college, I kind of had some different grad schools in mind, and they were all out of the area of Southern California. One was in the Midwest, one was on the East Coast. And I began to kind of think about grad school and think about where I was going to live and think about kind of this new chapter in my life. And in 2001, when this was all going on, I started to plug into Church in the Valley. I got involved with Church in the Valley, and I started to kind of experience the community here and really, really enjoyed it. But something was happening inside of me where I was so busy looking towards the future, my future plans, that I actually was not really plugging into church right now. And it was subtle things. It was things like I didn't really want to commit to being in a a group of people, a community group, because I didn't know if I was going to be around this group of people. I didn't really want to invest too much in the church because I knew that I was just going to be here a short time. And so what, what was happening is my, my commitment to the church and my view of the church was all viewed through this filter of I'm not going to be here. And since I'm not going to be here, I don't really need to commit. And since I'm not going to commit, I can really do what I want to do. And this was challenged by a leader, a leader at Church in the Valley, who came and said, basically, out of love, Alex, it seems like you're not really um, you know, committing to the church. What, what's going on? Are you trying to figure out? kind of where you're at, what life's going on. And he was just loving on me, trying to figure out what was going on in my life. And I just explained. I said, well, I'm planning on going to grad school somewhere, and so I just don't think it really makes sense to commit right now because I'm going to be leaving. And so I shared my plans, and, you know, six months. We're going to go to this grad school. We're going to get a new apartment. It's going to be in a totally different area. And, you know, it just doesn't make sense to commit right now because we're going to be gone. It was like, you know, my bags were already packed, it seemed like. And so in love, the, the man asked me, he says, do you know the future? And, you know, what was I going to say? <laughs> no. But I have, a, you know, grad schools in mind. Would you, do, you, do you know the future? No, but I, I have plans. And what he challenged me was, was I had no idea of the future, but I was acting and living as if it was already happened. And what he said was, stop it. It was probably a little bit more, like, better than that. But, you know, stop it. And he says, you you can't live life based on the future. You have to live life right now in the present. And he says, when the time comes for you to make a decision about your future, you'll know when the time comes what you need to do. But while you're here, commit. While you're here, make the most of your time right now. And that, that was 16 years ago. And his counsel at that time was was true in my own life. There was some flashiness of the future. There was some fear involved in the future. And I just kind of wanted to ratchet down my own plan. And I had my plan. And I was presenting it before people and presenting it before God. I was like, all right, stamp it. I'm going to do what I wanted to do. But really what it was is I just had my own ambition and goals in mind. And I was just going to coast on into the future. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And this is something that James uh, challenges us on. And I'm going to be reading in James chapter four. But if you're like me, you have a little bit of that pull too. There's something about the future which can distract us. And that distraction, whether it's fear or that's flashy, it can cause us to miss what God wants. And so on your handout, if you have a program, which I believe. You should, and if you don't have one, somebody on the First Impressions team can hand it to you. There's, there's a passage that's, that's typed out on your handout, and you'll also see it on the screen. I want to read it and then kind of talk about the implications. This is what James tells us in James 4:13 through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such in town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. James was writing this to a group of Christians who, in the first century, were just figuring out what Christians do. Jesus had come and lived his life on earth and he had died at the hands of the Jewish and Romans and was an innocent man. And he was crucified on the cross and he was buried and then he rose again on the third day. And he appeared back to uh, the disciples, to his closest followers. He appeared to uh, the crowds that had witnessed a lot of the ministry that he had accomplished. And then he ascended back into heaven. And as he ascended back into heaven... The understanding and what he commanded was, you know, I'm going to I am going to return. This is the period in which we're in now where Jesus has not returned yet. But just like this moment, which was a long time ago, we're in the same moment, which we're waiting for Jesus to return. But in the here and now, we have to figure out before he returns, what does he want me to do with my life? And so James is writing specifically to a group of people who are trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian, one and two are under immense. Uh, stress in their life. Uh, they're under persecutions. Uh, persecution Christians at this time were being killed uh, for their faith. To say that you were a Christian, uh, you had a, a huge target on you. Uh, the people who are followers of Christ had been scattered, so they were out of their homes and their, their comfort. Many were separated from their family. And so there was this, this suffering that was happening, this isolation that was happening. And due to both of those, they also were scarce on resources. They had little money. And so they were, they were really counting the cost of what it means to be a Christian. At this time, what kind of welled up in this community was there was a group of more affluent Christians who, in the stress, decided that they would use their goals for the future as a way of kind of using as a crutch and a leverage to escape the hardship. And so there was kind of some divisions in the church because there were these people who had, affluence and some success. And they were saying, Hey, I don't know about you guys, but we're going to go to this city and we're going to find work and we're going to get money. We're going to be able to provide. And through that, things are going to get better. And you could imagine the opportunity that they were seeing. This is a chance for us to get out of this pressure, to get out of this persecution, to get out of this just troubling circumstance. And they, they were just telling anybody that, that they could. So James is wanting to address This issue, because it's dividing this early group of Christians, as you can imagine, there's people who aren't able to do what those people were saying they could do. And and they were, you know, there was probably some comparison. There was some jealousy. there was some feeling like you have your plans and you're not taking care of us. And just all sorts of things were beginning to erupt in the beginning of this Christian movement. This this would be disastrous for the church. So James, he's the half brother of Jesus. He knows Jesus. He knows what he stood for. He was a prominent leader in the church and he he comes alongside with some perspective right here, which is we have to have the right view. And so he he begins with views of the future and then the views of the present. So I want to talk about both of those. So here's facts about the future, according to what what James says. The first thing is that I can make future plans that I cannot control. That's his uh, his assertion in this passage. Each one of us can make future plans, but as we make those plans, we actually have no control over them. And it goes back to the original question that somebody asked me. Do you know the future? And we would all answer, no. But oftentimes we can plan as if we do. And this is what he says in the beginning of the passage. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So it's amazing if you look at this scripture, you've got a few things. They're telling everyone around them they're going to be going to a certain place. Not only they're going to be going to a certain place, but they're going to spend a certain amount of time there. Not only are they going to spend a certain amount of time there, but they're going to do specific things. And not only are they going to go to a certain place for a certain amount of time and do specific things. But from this, they are going to be able to make a profit. And so it's just layer upon layer upon layer of the future and presuming upon it. And James is saying, come now, all who say you know how everything in your life will work out. Come now, you who say you know exactly what will happen. But I, I do this in my life. I have a picture of what I think I want to happen. Maybe I have a picture in my life of what I think God wants to happen, and I just map it out. Step one, during this time. Step two, during this time. And it will all flow together. But isn't it so true that we don't know the future? And so we can make plans that we cannot control, and that can lead to a lot of problems. And so James is saying, be careful. Be careful as you look into the future assuming that everything that you want to happen will happen and use the picture of of our life being brief like a mist i think i have a picture of here i don't know how good it will show up but this this is june gloom in la which we've been actually having uh, the last few days now the great thing about june gloom is that you wake up in the morning you go outside and you're like oh man it's gonna be cool today And it looks, I mean, it kind of looks like stormy. And it's like, wow, grab the jacket. And then at like 3 p.m., it's 85 degrees. And you're like, wait a second, wasn't there like a hurricane this morning? It was just gloom, it's just a mist. At about 10 a.m., 11 a.m., the sun comes out and it just burns all of it off. But we can look at our lives like that like we see something and it's our future plans and it looks so substantial. This is where we're going to go. This is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen. And what James is saying is all it takes is the sun to come out. All it takes is one thing to change, and it's all burned away. You don't know what will happen. So he just wants us to get this. We can make future plans, but we cannot control them. And when we cannot control things that we want to control, it can lead to a lot of problems. Then he makes a second assertion, which is as equally helpful. And this is that our future plans can control us. I can be controlled by my future plans. So I can make those plans. I cannot control them. But my future plans can control me. What I want to happen. What I want to happen can be something that I wrap my life around so tightly that when it doesn't happen. I feel like a great loss. This is what he says in verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So in 13 and 14, he's saying you have your specific plans. But don't you know the future? It's, it, it can change in any instant. Your life is just a mist. Then in 16, he's saying once you have your plans, there's a tendency that we all have to boast about it. Uh, the, the boasting here is really this idea of, of bragging, and that's before people and even before God. We want to present all that we're going to do in our life, where we're we going to go, what we're going to do, who we're going to do it with, how we're going to accomplish it, how it'll be happening in a certain amount of time. And what James is describing there is this this just self reliance that can consume us. Even though we can't control our future, we think if, if we have a plan and we share it, surely it can happen. And I, I just wanted to kind of share some things about the future and how the, the boasting about us can, can kind of lure us in. Here, here are some just thoughts that, that, that I have related to the future in this area specifically. As we boast about the future, we focus on the future. And as we focus on the future, that can actually prevent us from being faithful to the things that we have here and now. For instance, if you're longing for a future place where you're going to live, oftentimes you're not content with the current place that you live. If you're longing for a relationship in the future that you don't have now, oftentimes you don't make the most of the relationships that you have now. If you long for a job that's better than the job that you have, do you go into work on Monday, tomorrow, really excited about your job no because oftentimes we're plagued by our future desire and that future desire strips us strips us of our current faithfulness okay so that, that was one thought I had uh, the future uh, isn't guaranteed that's what James is saying but to brag about it with our plans we're gonna go do this it's going to be awesome and we're gonna have it's going to be a great. It's presuming. And it's basically saying that I I have control of my life and what I want to happen will happen. What I want to happen will happen. And this this is actually a a form of pride. It's where we we don't consider God into our plans. Which leads to the other insight I was thinking about. What if our plans that we're bragging about are not actually what God wants us to do. There are plans that we can make that actually don't please God. So we can brag and we can share and be so excited about what we're going to do. And at the same time, the very thing that that we're sharing and excited about may displease God. And So we can get all focused on this future and the future may not be what God wants for us. And then last, and this is where it's a little bit counterintuitive, this is why James is saying, this, this type of boasting, it's evil. It will distract you. It will pull you away from God's best. And that is, as we focus on the future and we miss the present, guess what is impacted? Our future. So it's so counterintuitive. At the time that we long for the future to happen, if we focus on it, And just dream about what could be. We drop the ball on the things that God's given us here. And as we drop the ball, our future is impacted. If you don't invest in the relationships here and now that God's given you, the future will be full of empty relationships. If you don't focus on making the most of the ministry God has given you to love and to serve people in the future You're going to have a really hard time loving and serving people. If you don't work hard in your job, even if you don't like it, it's going to be very difficult to have a job that will reward you greater. Because our reward comes from the hand of God tied to our present faithfulness in our relationships, and our responsibilities. So our future unfolds out of our present faithfulness. So James wants us to hes just watch out. Come now who you say. Come now who proclaim your plans. Be careful. So James is, is pleading with us. So he wants us to get this. We can make plans that we cannot control. And then our plans can control us. Then he gives some perspective for us on the present. So here's some facts about the present that James brings. First is that accomplishing the Lord's will should be the ultimate focus of my time and my plans. And so he counters, James counters this presumptuousness, this pride, this bragging. And he says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. The way you counter the flashiness of the future or the fear of the future is God, God himself. And it's this understanding and a perspective that my life flows from the hand of God. My life flows from his hand. My plans go through his hand, goes through his will. He is the one that's determined the days of my life. He is the one that determines the opportunities that I get or the opportunities that I don't. He is God. So instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Shortly after I had that conversation with a mentor in my life, that's 16 years ago, um, I was in a community group at Church in the Valley, and, and he was actually sharing this specific verse about, if the Lord wills. And we were in a group of mostly like early 20 somethings. We were 21, 22, 23, and we all had big plans. And a big vision of what we wanted to see happen. Again, plans, it's good. It's actually wise to make plans. But in the middle of that, the perspective is, it's if the Lord wills, this will happen. And so in this group, we read this passage. And from that moment, it, it actually changed the very vocabulary that I used. Because the time and my plans, how good they are, is not the most important. The most important is what does God want me to do? And if I do what his will is, I'm doing the exact thing I need to do. This is very counterintuitive as well. Because most of the time, is if your plan is good enough and you've run it by people, you execute it and it, just do it. But this principle is walking with God means that there's someone else that's involved in what we do in life. And that's God. And so from that moment on, it began to challenge me that I really need to say whatever I'm going to say. Lord willing, Lord willing. We'll be able to have service next week. Lord willing, we'll make it to where we need to go this afternoon. Lord willing, I'll see you in the future. Lord will, you know, you can see just Lord willing, Lord willing, Lord willing. Because the thing is, if the Lord doesn't will it, we don't want to do it. That's what James is saying. It's accomplishing his will moment by moment. This leads to uh, the good life. And so I was thinking about this and just my shift in my own planning. And I think when I first became a Christian and took him seriously, I kind of thought, you know, my plans are like laying concrete. And I designed my mold and then I asked God, like, is there any any shift you want on the mold for my life? And so this mold is. I'm going to live here, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to pour the concrete on, and then there's my life. Just Here's the plan. Then as I walked with God more, I realized, like, you know what, I don't know if my plans and what I want to happen are are like concrete as much. That's pretty sturdy and pretty immovable. In my own life, I know that there's many things that I thought was going to happen, and it didn't happen. And I'm here because of all those things, and I'm grateful for that. So I started thinking, okay, maybe my plans aren't concrete. Then I thought, well, maybe, maybe my plans are, are more like, it's like a piece of paper, but like high-quality paper that's not easily ripped. And not like pencil, but like a Sharpie. So I have my plans, and they're on nice paper that will endure over time, and then I just draw a map of what I want to see happen. And I do it with a Sharpie. You know, those don't really fade. It's not a pencil or a pen. It, it's pretty sturdy, and over time, you can see, maybe the paper gets a little bit dirty, but the Sharpie still stands. Then I realized, that, you know what, from my own experience... My plans have never been a Sharpie either. My plans have changed. It seems like there's just an eraser there. And then, then this picture came to me. It's not concrete. It's not paper. It's a magna doodle. Okay? Or an Etch-A-Sketch for you older school people. Okay? A magna doodle is this. Um, you know, I have my plans. And there's usually a map... From, from one to the other. Here, here's my plans. And, and God, he, here's, here's where I am and here's where you've led me. And, and I think, God, that, that you want me to go right here. And a Christian is somebody that, that hands the plan to God. Lord willing. And then what God can do at any moment in time because he's God, he can take the pencil and he can draw his own picture. And he says, well, you know, you think that it's going to be a straight line, but wait for the adventure that I'm going to lead you on. You think it's from here to here. But you know what? There is an X right here that you don't even know about. And there's an X right here. And, and you think, like, I walk, work in straight lines because you want to work in straight lines. But you know what I do? I do a little, like, under-the-loop wrap around." And you think, okay, now I'm on the top. It goes here. And he's like, I know, but then I want you to wrap around this side again. And then you want to go around because you don't want to mess up your plans. But I go right through it. You see, and and this is what, this is what God does. You have your plan. But he has the right to take the pencil and draw a picture. You know what God really has the right to do? He has your plans and he can just say, you know what? That was Interesting but let me draw you something. And that's what the Christian life is. The reason you want to read the scriptures is because he has the plans that he wants for you found in them. And as you get to know God and you walk with him, over time, the picture of the life that he wants you to live, he lays out. And we continue to connect dots and we continue to draw things and we continue to ask God, help me to have this picture of my life that pleases you. But it's as you will, I will do this. As you will, I will do that. And there's times where he adjusts it. And there's times where he erases parts. But he always is there to help us work out the picture that he wants us to live. And that's the good news of walking with God. And that's what James wants us to get. It's accomplishing his will that makes us the most productive. Okay. And the second part that I want to close on is this obeying god here and now leads to a productive life and this is what he says in verse 17 this is he's bringing it all to this we have our views of the the past i mean the sorry the future and then we need to focus on it as he wills as he leads and then he ends with this so whoever knows whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him it is sin What he's saying is God meets us here and now. And it's doing what he wants moment by moment. That's where life and ultimate productivity is. Did you know you can never meet God in the future? Why? Because we're not in the future. You actually can't meet God in the past. We're not in the past. You can only meet God in the present. That's what James is saying. For whatever you know to do, the right thing to do right here and right now, that's what you have to do. So the present, here and now, is the only time we can meet God. It's the only time we can know God. It's the only time we can serve God. It's the only time that we can please God. And what James is saying is, since this is the only time that we can meet, know, love, and serve Him, that is what we need to do with our life. The present. That's where we can know God personally. And as we know God personally in the present, it leads us to the future. And the quality of our future is linked to meeting God in the present. That's the beauty of the Christian life. You can live life in the present knowing that God in his goodness and his, our life flows through his hand. He, he will promise us a good future as we as we please him flows from his hand. He will be good to us. He will do right. So I want to encourage you. Plan. Think, Think ahead. But add, Lord willing, to your vocabulary. Plan ahead, but add, Lord willing, to your vocabulary. Another thing. Know that the future will distract you. Decide. I'm not going to let fear or flashiness of the future caused me to miss meeting God here and now and the opportunities that he brings. So I want to encourage you to, to wrestle with that. Fight the distraction of the future and meet God in the here and now. At Church of the Valley, that, that's what we want to help you do. That's why we exist as a church. We want to help you walk with God right now, And as you walk with God right now, you're going to be seeing this world that he's drawing a picture of your life. And it's going to be this great adventure that you've never experienced. And so I just want to challenge you, all of us, just what is God wanting to show me here and now? Who are the people that he's placed in my life that I need to love? What are the opportunities that I need to buy up to get to know him? And how can I make the most of the here and now to live the life that God wants me to live? Uh, there's some next steps that I want to wrap up with connected to that. And uh, if you take out your connection card, uh, you can finish filling that out. We're going to be receiving our offering momentarily. Uh, but there's, uh, I think, three next steps that you can take. Uh, the first is ask God to show me where my future is impacting today. Is there a place of distraction? It's hard to know you're distracted without you recognizing it. So just ask God to show you any distraction that you may experience and then is there something that God has told you to do and you're not doing it? This is the, the present living, walking with God. What has God told you to do right now, but you're not doing it? You're going to just hit wall and wall and wall if you're not doing the present things God's telling you to do. And the last is invite somebody next week to, to church, somebody in your life. There's an opportunity for you to connect with here and now. And you can invite them to church. You can pray for an opportunity to serve them, to love them. If you pray that, see what God does. And from those opportunities, you can make the most of your time. So I want to invite the, the band back up. And I wanted to extend a, an invitation uh, that we're going to be having right following this service. Since this is our first Sunday here, uh, we actually have some refreshments Uh, In the courtyard outside for all of us to enjoy we're gonna have uh, some cake and this is just a way of us thanking God for his provision and also an opportunity for us to to hang out as a church and so if you have a kid in kid zone uh, nursery I encourage you to go uh, pick up your kid and then we're all going to head up to the courtyard uh, to eat those refreshments uh, together and uh, while we do that if you could just be thanking God uh, just for his provision. I think he'd be really pleased with that. Let's pray together. Father, we we do thank you for the fact that you meet us here and now and we can know you and we can please you uh, in the moment right now in which we live. And so God, help us to make the most of our time to see the opportunities that you bring. And Lord, we thank you for your provision. Just a Uh, providing this new place for us to meet. But God, help us to also realize that from your provision, we we now have a responsibility to be faithful. So help us to be faithful to uh, telling people about our church, telling people about the difference that you've made in our life, loving the people around us. And God, I pray that, that you'll continue to grow us as a church. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.